Hey everybody, uh, it's it's Nick. So the next movie we're gonna watch because we didn't say it in this episode, it's Fright Night from 1985. So that's the next movie. Tune in next week, but listen now to Night of the Living Dead. The only horror movie podcast with Nick and Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Hello. Hey. We made it. We are here. It's episode seven. Wow. Already seven, seven episodes in. That's pretty Feels impressive. Like we just started. Yeah. Right? Seven's pretty good. good. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey. All right. <laughs> uh, welcome to the, the Only Horror Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nick. And I'm Joe. And uh, this is a podcast where um, I'm, I'm, I don't know anything about horror. Joe's an expert. And uh, yeah, sure, we can say expert. <laughs> he doesn't call himself an expert, but he knows way more than I do. Compared no. to me, uh, you're an expert. And Been uh, watching him for a long time, long time. Yeah. And Joe tells me to watch a movie. I go and I watch that movie, and then we come back. I report to Joe, and we talk about it. Yeah. And before we get into it, I think we should say, uh, you know, please uh, subscribe. You know, rate us five stars. Yes. On Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. We're going to start a Discord yes. uh, server soon, so you can join that. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Yeah, you can email us at theonlyhorrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. Theonlyhorrormoviepod at gmail.com. Theonlyhorrormoviepod at gmail.com. Uh, and we really do mean that, folks. If you if you do subscribe, it really does help us a lot. If your review helps us a lot. Uh, if you really just love this podcast, I think we have like an average of like 50 downloads per episode. Yeah, some a little bit more. Some, yeah. yeah. So it should be like, uh, we only have 20 subscribers, guys. So get out there. Get yeah. out there and vote. Yeah, tell your friends, you know, if you like it. Yeah, tell your buddies. Yeah. Um, support the pod. It's going to it's gonna grow over time and uh, get in while it's um, in the ground floor. Get in early, yeah, you know, because who knows what benefits that could gain you long term. Well, it's like, it's like uh, you know, the people who buy, bought stock in Apple early on. Yeah, and this, I think, will be bigger than that. I think it'll be bigger than... Oh, easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, most podcasts are bigger than Apple. Yeah, you know, Apple's not such a big deal anymore. Yeah, I don't give a shit about Apple. I actually don't like Apple anymore. No? I still own their products, and uh, yeah. they still put our podcast up on their platform, but... Um, <sighs> yeah, so don't piss them off too much. I didn't like Steve Jobs. No, I was not. I've never been like a CEO guy, so like I never right. cared about him. No, 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 yeah, no, I mean, me neither. I'm not like a CEO fan. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, Steve Jobs, I didn't like him, but when he died, I will say that the stuff is gone awry i mean i think apple uh yeah really is suffering yeah they they kind of needed him a little bit well i think it's like he he was an innovative thinker but he Mm -hmm. was a bad guy yeah well you know anybody who gets to that level kind of has to be right yeah he had like some good ideas no one knows what to do with the iphone anymore it's like there i think that like everyone who works at apple is just like i don't know just keep putting uh more apps better camera like better camera that's the big thing it's just a better camera yeah well you know it's like uh you know you invent the telephone like how many you know how much did they really improve that invention over time yeah not much you know compared like i mean they they did go from the rotary to the uh, cordless electric which yeah that was pretty good you know that was you know that was pretty sick yeah oh alexander graham bell uh, we'll see if uh, apple can (laughs) pull off that level of innovation yeah maybe they 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 can't they're yeah. just a bunch of idiots over there <laughs> no i don't know so uh, anyway so this movie this month was 
Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, this week. We would do episodes episode. That's weekly. right. This week. <laughs> That's right. I mean, this month, too. Sure. Also in the month. Uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead, classic 1968 film. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a fantastic movie. Yeah, you did. I was. I, I was, did. You know, I, I was like going out on a limb with this one a little bit because it's a little bit older movie. Yes. Which, you know, they, it has moments that are slow, but for the most part, there's sure. kind of a lot going on. You know, well, it's not as slow as movies from the period often are. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, and I'm not sure what kind of, which stuff I want to ask you at what part. Maybe I'll, I'll ask you some questions throughout the plot, but um, I mean, yeah, dude, I was like, I was really into it. I thought it was, especially for an, a film that old, I was just like, yeah, this this holds up. This is scary. The the, the story's good. The characters are good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was just totally into it. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I really love this movie. Nice. It's, uh, you know, partially just the movie on its own how it stands it's like still an entertaining movie to watch even though right. you know i've seen it you know a handful of times but uh it really this was i think the movie that kind of created the modern horror movie like this yes. is like the starting point from like where like after night of living dead things were just different yes because a lot of stuff in this movie had never been seen before never been done before right and, well, uh, yeah, because that's something I did want to ask you. And I was, I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll ask this in the plot. But I think I can just pe- people didn't know what zombies were. No, well, they had so zombie pre Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, uh, they had movies like uh, White Zombie and okay, so that was a few others, but yeah. they weren't the same thing. They were like uh, about Haitian voodoo zombies. Oh, which sure. Was like what the where the term originated, which was more like kind of like people under like mind control, you know, gotcha. uh, and even dating back to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which was one of the, you know, that came out in like 1918 or something. Oh, one of the earliest like German expressionist horror movies. Yeah, it's about they alternately refer to this monster in the movie as the somnambulist or the zombie. But he's basically like a guy who's under hypnotism by Dr. Caligari and like goes out and you know, kidnaps this girl and does other stuff. Yeah. Cool movie, by the way, visually totally really influenced like Tim Burton. I feel uh, like there's like a period of, of horror movies for me. I don't know how I'm fucking, uh, there's like a, not to look at the camera. You know? <laughs> there's like a period of horror movies where I, I, I think they get like, um, I don't know. There's like aspects to them. Like I think in some of the eighties ones, I'm like, Oh, well this isn't as scary. There's something about like maybe the, the music or the acting, you know, like there's, yeah, it got like less scary, but I feel like some of the early, early stuff is still really scary. Yeah, you know? you know, some of those early ones still like they're either scary or real creepy. I feel like you know, yeah, Night of Living Dead, it, like it doesn't have a lot of jump scares or anything, but it, it like it just is a kind of unsettling, disturbing movie. Yeah, and something about the black and white too. There's there's yeah. that movies were in color by the time this came out, but oh, Night okay. of Living yeah, Dead right, right, was right. done. Uh, it was made by people who ran a production studio that primarily did like advertising and industrial films. And so like that was back when uh, even TV commercials and stuff were still shot on film. Yeah. So they had, you know, 35 millimeter cameras and a bunch of gear and they did, they got bored of basically making like Calgon commercials and stuff. Right. Right. uh, George Romero, the director, uh, one of his first gigs was working on Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Oh shit! After he got out of college. Yeah, he did. A oh, that's great. Where uh, Mr. Rogers gets a tonsillectomy, I think. Oh, there's an episode where he gets a tonsillectomy. Yeah, I guess yeah. that makes sense since kids had to get their tonsils taken out all the time. Yeah, you know, I think he probably just wanted to show kids that this, you know, he was always trying to make it so like, hey, the yeah. world's not scary. It's right, a nice right. Place. Look at the, you know, look for the people who are helping. They're not around children much anymore. Yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, 
I want to check in with you. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, it's good that I can look at you again. It is. It is less awkward that we is, you know, we can face each yeah, other. Yeah. I think this is a better setup. Yeah, it is. Last um, time we had to like sit facing forward and then turn and that was yeah, just too it was, much. Uh, it's a little awkward, but we're, we're. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this isn't a perfect setup, but you know, I do want to, I do want to comment if anyone is watching this, I know that the bananas are right there. Uh, I know they're old. Nick was going to take them out. I said, leave them in. Yeah. But, you know, if you if you're watching, you don't have to comment on the bananas. We're going for authenticity here. Yeah, that's really my bananas, you know? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I just put those I, up as a prop. <laughs> I think they'll be, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what's a bunch of people unsubscribe over the bananas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, good. Been doing some uh, band practice and stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, just still working on my things. How about you? You had your half hour show. That I did good. a half hour. Yeah, I did a half hour with Monique Moreau at the yard. Uh, it was good. I mean, I don't know. I feel good about it. Yeah, I was there. I thought it was a very solid show. You know. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I think Monique did great, and I think it's it. You know, it's good to have. I've done a lot of half hours before, but it's usually like in in front of like a a club crowd at like a kind of like a C room. You know, kind of like a you know we did yeah, bonkers well, stuff for a bonkers, long time. Which, like those like those comedy clubs in Florida where the comedy club is just a, a restaurant with a banner in the corner somewhere yes. that says comedy club. Right. Or there's like a, a bowling alley and then they have like a little side bar. Yeah. You know, like that's I remember uh, in Orlando, we had Boardwalk Bowl and mm-hmm. Boardwalk Bowl had like this little room where the comedy cl- club quote unquote was. And it was like the, the walls that they used to separate the club from the bowling alley didn't reach the ceiling. So I, I've only did that room once or twice. So I sort of barely remember it. But. Yeah. So when you would do comedy, you know, you'd hear like the arcade, you'd literally hear like pins crashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ceilings, loud were families so, having a good time. Oh yeah. Kids screaming. And I mean, sometimes it would be a fun room, but it's also like you do find that, those people will laugh at things that are much easier. Like yeah. the jokes are much simpler. So I would have like half hours that I do for cl- crowds like that, mm-hmm. you know? So that was like the first time I think I've ever done a half hour for people like my age, like in my demographic, you know? Yeah. For like, uh, the kind of audience you get at like shows in LA yeah. around like more hip parts of town. Right. Whereas, yeah, like a lot of the club stuff in Florida, you're just like in a place where people just like, the way they consume comedy is they go like comedy show. Let's go. They right. don't like, yeah, no, yeah. no, like who is this comedian or anything? No, no, no. So they're expecting just middle of the road. Yes. Often kind of hack comedy. And then right, like, right, you right. Know, if you try to come in with something a little different, it not always well received. Sometimes. It yeah, can you work. can't. Yeah. You often can't try out weird stuff. But you, the good thing is, I think you, you need to know how to work rooms like that. Cause you're going to have to work more of them. Yeah. If you're going to do the road or anything, that's yeah. kind of part of it. But anyways, you know, it's cool to have the, it's good to have like a, a solid bunch of material. So I'm like, okay, cool. I have this thing that I can now tweak and, you know, yeah, rewrite you got some like stuff a, and, a half hour set that is like more or less ready to go. Cause you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, yeah. And I feel like most of those bits are pretty punchy, pretty know? punchy. Yeah. There's a couple of things. Some that, of them are relatively new, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're develop. getting there, but yeah, yeah. So that was cool. And uh, thanks for coming to that, by the way. Yeah, no problem. Man. Yeah, I don't know. Everything else is fine. I'm, you know, still weaning myself off the antidepressants, doing a little better. Yeah, you seem, you know, like last time you were, uh, you know, definitely, you could definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could feel it a little bit. Right, were, yeah, yeah. Uh, but not, uh, not good. anytime you adjust your meds, that's just, 
you just have to deal with that period of like i'm gonna feel weird for like a week totally uh but yeah i'm I'm glad and and a part of me is like i'm happy that that i'm just getting them out of my system in general for now i mean i might go back at some point you know but oh you seem like you're doing good to me you seem like yourself again yeah no it's good what else? <laughs> Things are good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be in New York next month. Oh, yeah. I'll be in New York ne- next you're month. In New York. And, uh, you know, look you know. for Nick. Uh, he'll be doing shows and yeah. stuff. Yeah. If you're out there, look for me. Um, I think we've got a few people out there that, but I think most of them are our friends who listen to this podcast, but that's okay. I love you. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's great. We really appreciate our friends who listen to this podcast. Hell yeah, we do. It means a hell of a lot to us. It means a whole lot. Want to get into it? We can get into it. Yeah. I've got fairly extensive notes on this one i'm sure you you do a lot has been written about this movie oh i believe there has been Uh, um we can get into some now uh what do you think are there some that you think are like good for the beginning the before the plot uh i'll just give a little bit of the uh just the general information and then we can get into it and i've got some stuff we can talk about as we go or toward the end yeah uh so night of the living dead uh was released in 1968 it was directed by george a romero written by john russo and george a romero uh, starring Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Day, Marilyn Eastman, Carl Hardman, Judith Ridley, and Keith Wayne. Uh, interesting thing about this one, most of the cast were either part of the production company. Uh, production company is called Image 10 Films. Okay. Uh, and it was made of the Leighton Image, which was Romero and uh, John Russo's company and Russell Striner. And okay. then they combined with uh, Hardman Associates, which is uh, Carl Hardman, Marilyn Eastman, to form uh image 10 gotcha uh what so yeah so image 10 is the production company that made yeah. light night of living dead yeah gotcha. this is a totally independent movie they like uh originally their plan was to finance it uh i think it was each person was going to put in a thousand dollars so they had a total of six thousand dollar budget wow when they started uh, wow. and they realized that that wasn't going to cut it so they started getting investors and ended up total of about a hundred thousand dollars spent over like six to nine months because they shot the movie on weekends right because they're all working during the week doing commercials and stuff yeah so they financed it themselves yeah so they, basically worked for free or put yeah money they financed into it. it well yeah like they had a bunch of investors who were like local businessmen and stuff and yeah like most of them played zombies in the movie so gotcha like most of the zombies you see are people who invested in the film and like yeah. uh, the cast like uh Marilyn Eastman and uh, Carl Hardman were the, you know, the producers and they played uh, Harry Cooper and uh, Uh, yeah, Harry Cooper and Helen Cooper. Helen Cooper. Yeah. yeah. So like the husband and wife. Right. The only only professional actors they had were uh, Judith O'Day and Dwayne Jones. Everybody else was. And Dwayne Jones was Ben. Yep. Cool. Oh, I guess I should just talk a little bit about George Romero. Uh, So he's considered the father of the zombie film, even though. Sure. In Night of the Living Dead, the word zombie never appears. They didn't think of them as zombies. They just called them ghouls. Ghouls, that's right. Um, and uh, he's known for the Night of the Living Dead series, which includes uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead. Okay, so those are all connected to... Romero, yeah. So it's okay. uh, a franchise that started in 1968, and he did the last one in 2009, I think. Wow. Yeah. So Dawn of the Dead, that was in 2000-something, right? That was the... There was a remake in okay. 2004. Gotcha. Uh, the original one was in 1978, 10 years after the original Night wow. of the Living Dead. Wow. But yeah, he also uh, did... Romero also did The Crazies, uh, Martin, Knight Rider, Creep Show, Monkey Shines, The Dark Half, Bruiser, and the Tales from the Dark Side TV series. Uh, so he's connected to all that. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. He, he became a pretty prolific director. Sure. Like in the 70s, most of his movies kind of flopped. But then once yeah. he did the sequel, Dawn of the Dead, then he kind of like took off. And That's what the people like wanted. A, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, fuck, dude, this guy's I'm into it. I'm into it. I was like, I was just I mean, I love watching old movies like because there's so many movies from that era that are just like so hard to watch. Yeah. Or you're just, just like, like, what? Like people just like they talk in a way where you're like, nobody talks like this. Mm-hmm. So it was like a it was like a movie where like there was only one guy who really talked. It was it was Tom, the the young guy from the from the basement or whatever, who was yeah. like he he kind of had that old kind of 1960s way of talking in movies. Yeah, yeah. But everybody else was pretty authentic, I thought. Well, yeah, I think uh, part of that is a lot of the dialogue was either written by the cast themselves or improvised. Yeah. I so, mean, okay, like, that makes it, total it, sense. It gave it a pretty naturalistic quality. Uh, specifically, Dwayne Jones, uh, the character Ben, was originally written for a white guy. Of course, yeah, because of the era. I mean, it's clear. Yeah, and he was supposed to be just like a blue-collar truck driver. You right. Know? And uh, Dwayne Jones was a theater professor. He was like a highly educated guy. Uh, and so he decided to make the character Ben reflect that. So he rewrote all his own dialogue and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool, man. Should we get into the plot? Yeah, let's, uh, let's start going. We'll just launch into it. Yeah. Because uh, I'm sure a lot more notes will come up. All right, guys. So this is Night of the Living Dead, 1968, the plot. Uh, we open on a long and winding dirt road. Uh, we see an old car drive past uh, and into a cemetery. And this is when we meet um, siblings Barbara and Johnny, yep. right? Uh, they're in Pennsylvania to see their father's grave. Uh, at some point, like, a, a, the radio comes on and... Um, says that there, I think it's like Barbara mentioned something about there was something on the radio. She said, yeah. Right. And then she gets out of the car to head towards their father's grave. And Johnny's like, turns on the radio and hears that they're like, Oh, we're having some technical problems, blah, blah, blah. But not much is being said there, but there's something going on with this radio. Something's off though. Something's off. That winding road is really, it's like desolate and just still. Yeah. It's this desolate old, uh, farmland kind of Pennsylvania road. They head to uh, their father's grave mm-hmm. and they're very they're bickering a lot. These two. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like back and forth arguing about whatever. Yeah. Barbara's pretty sincere. Mm-hmm. Johnny is a bit of a dick. He's kind yeah, of just big like, time dickhead. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Not a nice guy. I not, mean, he's like really no. relentless to his his sister yeah, in a cemetery complaining about everything. Just, you know, like, yeah, he's a real bitch. Why are we bothering to visit this person? Yeah. We barely, you know. Right. And then they get to their father's grave and they put a, a, a wreath on the grave. And Barbara sits there for a moment and like bows her head. And then uh, Johnny's like, ah, praying for church. What are you doing? And uh, then right when he says that, there's like a storm starts a brewing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then they kind of just go back and forth, you know, and she's like, just I've never seen you in church. And he's like, yeah, why would I go to church? You know? Uh, and he's like, he recalls this old memory about how, remember when we were, we were, we were here, actually, we were like here with, with grandpa right over there. I was hiding behind a tree. I jumped out and I scared you and uh, you were so scared. And then grandpa said like, damned you, damn you to hell or something. Right. Yeah. He's like, you used to always get so scared. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, you're such a scaredy cat, blah, 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 whatever. And then she's like, stop, Johnny, leave me alone. And they, co- they go back and forth and he keeps teasing her about how she's always scared. And in the distance, we see this old man walking, right? Yeah. He's kind of like stumbling. He seems like he could be inebriated or something. Yeah. And she's like, and then Johnny's like, there, there, there he is. He's coming to get you. And she's like, mm-hmm. stop, Johnny, stop it right now. Eventually, this guy just gets so close. Johnny's just like, oh, I'm going to freak her out. I'm going to leave her alone with this guy, which yeah. is fucking insane. 
to yeah. do to your sister. Yeah, uh, the famous line, they're coming to get you, Barbara. It's oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's uh, a famous you know, line. Kind of calls back to like old timey horror movies with those like creepy voices and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he leaves his sister alone with this guy. And then the guy grabs on to Barbara. Yeah. Aggressive, very aggressive. And yeah. she starts screaming. And then Johnny's like, oh, fuck, I guess I shouldn't have done this. So yeah. he runs back and then frees Barbara from this guy's grip. And then he starts wrestling with this guy. And then he the they wrestle to the ground, and then Johnny hits his head, and he's knocked out. Yeah, right on a fucking uh, tombstone. On a tombstone, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then this guy is like, time to chase this lady. Mm-hmm. And so she takes off running. She gets back to the car. She tries to lock herself in the car. Uh, this dude breaks the window yeah, with a rock. On the window. Yeah, smashes, smashes it open, tries to reach for her and grab her. She doesn't have the keys to the car because they're in Johnny's pocket. So she puts the car into drive and it rolls down a hill and the guy keeps chasing after her. He's not very fast, yeah. which is always funny. I think sometimes in old zombie movies here, you're like, it's not, it can't be that scary when this person is so easy to outrun. Yeah. Well, you know, Romero's whole thing is that, you know, like a corpse would just be uh, decayed and like the whole, the body wouldn't be, you know, a hundred percent. So they can kind of only shamble. That was totally logic for that. No, no, I think that makes total sense. But mm-hmm. some, like sometimes when I'm like, uh, well, if I saw a zombie, I just, I just briskly pick up my pace. Yeah, right. You just <laughs> kind of like, uh, like Olympic, like speed walking, right? Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, power walking. Yeah. Uh, so the car rolls down the hill and she crashes into a tree. So then she gets out and she starts running. She just starts running down the street. She sees this old house in the distance and she's like, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna make it my way over there. Right before she, right as she sees the house, she like leans on this like gas pump next to like a shed. And so we're like, we don't really know what that gas pump is, but it comes back later. She gets inside of the house after a moment. She explores. She looks around. She grabs a knife, picks up a knife. She's really, really scared. And that guy is just circling the house outside. Yeah. Uh, She goes upstairs. She finds a dead body. She freaks out. I mean, the body has its face is just torn to shreds, gone. It's just like skull exposed, skull eye popping out. I mean, it's a really horrifying scene. And so she is just I mean, she's now her she's watched her brother you know, get knocked out. She doesn't know where he is. She's seen this dead body, you know, this, and she's in this old creepy house. Yeah. It's just this old, like abandoned farmhouse. Yeah. And it looks like there's like nowhere. Yeah. There's stuff splayed about, like, it looks like there was some kind of struggle in the house. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. like something is really, really off after she she sees the body. She goes to run outside because she doesn't want to be in this house anymore. And then, uh, there are headlights right in front of her. And then this other man runs in and grabs her and takes her inside. And this is Ben. Yep. So this is uh, this is our our. I mean, I call him the probably the protagonist of the movie. Yeah, and it's a weird shift because you think yeah. Barbara is going to be like the main protagonist because you know she's introduced at the beginning, right? Well, it's either so. like yeah, you think in the beginning you're like it's either she and this guy Johnny are going to die quickly and then we're going to meet the protagonist, but then it goes on for a while where you're like okay, I guess it, I guess it's Barbara. Yeah. Uh, but then Ben enters and he really does kind of take that over. Kind of in that classic like hero shot, like he bursts through the door. And, yeah. You know, like low angle, like looking up at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I realize I've been going through this whole plot without even looking at it. It's just like in my brain already. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a powerful movie, you know, like yeah, uh, yeah. That, that first zombie, the one who attacks them in the cemetery, that guy was at a convention I was at in 2008. No shit. Yeah. You keep meeting all these guys. It was all at this one event. Oh, was, <laughs> was, was that was the same all, one? Yeah, it was at Screen oh, that's Fest great. in Orlando 2008 where I met the people from Phantasm too. But yeah, I was like, wow, this guy was in a movie in the 60s and he's still here like, you know, taking pictures and signing autographs. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so what? So are there, I am curious about Ben, right? Mm-hmm. So like the actor Dwayne. Yeah. Because it was 1968. 
it was an extremely weird and turbulent time in America, right. which is what made this movie so significant. How was it received that there was like this male black hero? Was that like, do you know anything about uh, that? Well, yeah, yeah, I know. I got a bunch of stuff, a bunch of notes about really? that so we can get into. But yeah, it was, uh, I guess we should start with the way that Dwayne Jones was cast was Romero says he was just the best actor who showed up right. for the audition by like a long shot. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, initially, one of the other characters was going to play Ben. Might have been Carl Hardman. I don't know. It was one of the one of the other cast. And they after his audition, they were like, no, it's got to be this guy. Yeah. He's like by far the best actor. Yeah. We're going to so find, good. you know, having a, you know, a black male hero in a movie with and the rest of the cast is all white. Entirely right. white cast yeah. was like totally unheard of at the time. Um, and it just so happened that after they finished shooting, when they were going to distribute the movie, they were driving the finished print to the distributor in New York. That was when they got the news over the radio that Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Holy shit. Um, and so even though Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968, it kind of had like multiple releases like up through 1970 because it got released, you know, to like late night drive-ins. And yeah, like grind houses and then like it would do well and then it got re-released and then it would get released in France and they, you know, they freaked out over it. So it get released again and it's kind of grew over time. Wow. But yeah, so it had this whole unintentional but very significant like civil rights era subtext. And there's yeah. also a lot of other stuff going on at That's the time. So cool. um, and I have more notes on that. We can get. Uh, yeah, we can get through. into them later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's great. Yeah, I just wanted to to I wrote that down like right at this point. Yeah, no, there was a it wasn't like they were like, oh, just a black guy's a hero. Of course. Right. Like, no, no. Like, that yeah. had never been seen before. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now we're with Ben. Right. So Ben is with Barbara in this house and he's trying to calm her down. And he's like, look, more of these people or whatever these things are, are going to show up. You know, so we have to I have a car. I have this truck. It needs gas. Um, there's a key to the pump outside. Uh, I don't know where it is, but we have to find it. And Barbara just like can't talk yeah she's just in shock right she's now. just in total shock borderline yeah. catatonic yeah through most of the movie For, through most of the movie yeah and so ben tries to you know get on the phone which barbara already tried earlier and there's it's uh, to, to, to no avail um and so ben keeps questioning her he's like you know do you live here and she's just looking up to where she saw the body mm-hmm. and ben's like okay well i'll go check this out he goes he sees the body and he's just like you know he's really taken aback too because it's a really shocking yeah you know, looking face. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody would be. In yeah. And so he like almost faints. He falls back and he's like, okay, we got to make a plan to get out of here, you know? And then at some point, like there's blood from that body dripping down. It drips on Barbara and she just is just, just keeps losing it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just too much for her to handle. Um, she's like asking Ben, she's like, what's happening? And more zombies are gathering around the house at this point. I mean, it's, it's about, about three. It's still pretty low. Um, but Barbara's just losing it. Um, Ben sees that there's more zombies outside and he takes a tire iron and he goes outside and just starts beating the fuck out of these things, bashing them, bashing their skulls in. He kills a couple of them. Um, it's like a pretty intense fight scene. Yeah. They're like, you know, all trying to grab him and we don't know it, but they're trying to bite him the whole time. Yes. Yes. And so as he's taking care of that, a zombie enters the home and Barbara's like sitting on a chair and she's crying but the zombie's like slowly approaching her and she doesn't see it happening. Ben's like outside and he's looking for, he knows there's the third zombie somewhere. So he's like, I got to figure out where this is. So he goes back inside, sees uh, this guy about to attack Barbara and again, just beats the fuck out of this guy. Mm -hmm. Kills this zombie dead. All this noise, all this stuff happening is attracting more of them. So there's just more and more uh, surrounding the house. But yeah, Barbara like is like looking at this dead 
zombie and she's freaking out. Ben's like, don't look at it. He drags it away, sets it on fire and tosses it out into the front yard to, to scare away the other zombies. And this yeah. is the point where we're like, oh, okay, so the zombies are like afraid of fire. It yeah. drives them away. Mm-hmm. Now the whole thing is Ben needs to board up the house, right? So he gets going on that. We all know that with classic of zombie uh, movie stuff. Trope. Yeah, that's like a thing that like, you know, Night of the Living Dead established most of that stuff, you know, like the boarding of the house and everything. It's like you see it even in like Call of Duty zombies. Like, you yeah, it's everywhere time, like nailing boards to the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Running from zombies, shooting them, nailing more boards. Like. Right. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Uh, but yeah, it's crazy to think that that all started. I mean, did that start in this movie. Yeah, pretty much. It's crazy. I mean, you know, there could have been other movies where people boarded up a house, but it was like, you know, this is the one where it, that became like uh a significant part of the movie like yeah. they spent a lot of time just nailing in boards and then removing boards yeah i mean it's crazy how big zombies <laughs> i mean especially like i feel like 10 years ago we went through this period where it was just like zombie everything it was yeah they really like around the time walking dead came out then it's like it's weird it's got like night of the living dead happened then there were no zombie movies for 10 years then dawn of the dead kicked off and then right. day of the dead and there were a bunch of like american and Italian and like low budget zombie movies throughout the eighties, like yeah. made in like the Philippines and places. And wow. like, uh, you know, then you had like the 1990 remake of night of the living dead that Tom Savini directed. Wow. Uh, and then you had the big explosion kind of starting with Dawn of the dead, 2004 and Shaun of the dead and, yeah. uh, 28 days later that like, and then the walking dead comics. That's great. Ah, Shaun of the dead. So fucking great. Yeah, um, we'll have to do that one in a bit. Yeah, yeah. You'll get a new appreciation for it after, too after watching a few of like the Romero movies. Yeah, totally. I bet. Okay, so, um, so now you know Ben is like breaking down tables and doors uh, within the house to like make more boards uh, to barricade, right? And as he's doing that, he's telling he tells Barbara this story. You know how he found that that truck at a diner and it had a radio in it. He jumped in the car to listen to the radio and try to get some more info about what was going on. Uh, and then he saw this big gasoline truck roaring down the street with like 15 of these things, these zombie guys hanging on to it. And then it crashes and explodes. And um, and he says he can still hear the driver of that truck screaming. You know, he's like, I can still hear the screaming. Uh, yeah. And he looks around and he sees like that there are 50, 60 more of these things walking around. Yeah. Um, it's a great monologue, by the way. It's a great monologue. Like I've, I actually, I've noted it twice. I've made notes on my phone. It's like, oh, if you ever need to do a monologue, this would be. It's so good. An amazing one. Yeah, it's so good. And so then he's, he, he says he drives his truck, this truck that he, he, he got, he drives him straight through these 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 things, these like, you know, 50 uh, zombies. And he, he says that they, they didn't move at all. He's like, they just stared at me. Yeah. And they all scattered like bugs when I hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then he gets up and he continues to barricade the windows, you know, and, and Barbara starts telling her, just starts telling him her story. Yeah. She's like, well, I was with my brother, Johnny, and we came to put a wreath on my father's grave. And but she can really is struggling to get through the story. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like repeating herself a lot, you know, and 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 Ben isn't really paying much attention to this story, which I did think was kind of like a funny moment, you know, and she's like he like went through this whole like dramatic monologue and then she's like trying to do hers and he's just like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mine is better. (laughs) Yeah. Mine is much better written. Yeah. Mine had explosions. Yeah. 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 I had 56. You had one guy. One dude. You couldn't tell. Yeah. And he wasn't. And you you weren't like the hero of the story. You ran away. You ran away. You left your brother there. (laughs) I mean, he was a dick. 
dick. Yeah, he was an not, asshole. Maybe not. <laughs> eh, he's probably better off dead. So, uh, so Ben, at some point, she's like, she gets begins to get like really worked up, you know. And he's like, he's Ben's like, all right, calm down. And she's like, she's like, I screamed, I screamed, Johnny, no, help me. And I got so afraid, I ran, I ran, and Johnny didn't come. She's like, so we have to wait for Johnny. And Ben doesn't respond to this. He just keeps moving things around, you know, boarding up windows. And she's like, we have to get Johnny. He's out there, please. And he says, do you know what's going on out there? You know, this is no Sunday school picnic. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, but my brother. And he says, your brother's dead. Yeah, he's He's got a much clearer picture much of clearer. what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's harsh. He's, it's a little harsh, the, yeah. but he's like, for sure, this is your sees brother. He's the writing on the wall. Yeah. yeah. If your brother got knocked out and he's out there, gone. Yep. So she gets mad at that, slaps him, and he's like, well, and then slaps her back. Yeah. Slaps her hard enough to the point where she goes unconscious or faints. She's just, it's too much going on. Yeah. She, you know, uh, that was a pretty standard thing in movies in the 60s unfortunately yep. like the the protagonist slapping hysterical women right know? right yeah yeah i mean uh, my thing was like i i saw the slap coming but i was like because of the era i was like well he's just gonna slap her unprovoked but you know like having a, a black man slap a white woman in a movie was something <laughs> yeah. that oh my god so, so many things in this movie were shit that like no one had ever seen that there's like mine being oh, blown man. repeatedly like you know it was just like uh oh that's great you know normal like white suburban audiences who saw this movie in 1968 like just had their you know like yeah their minds blown that's great i love that (laughs) i didn't even think about that repeatedly shocking images (laughs) yeah i didn't even think about the black guy hitting a white woman yeah that would have affected people yeah they were nobody was ready for that i wish i could see that like in the audience (laughs) we should go back in time (laughs) yeah just watch from the front okay so ben uh ben finds a radio and uh, he's tuning it and he finds he finally gets to a, a station and the radio says that there are, you know there are these mass murders being committed by a virtual army of unidentified assassins yeah also around the time of the manson family murders oh yeah when was when did that happen? that was in the I think late it 60s was like right 68 maybe Holy 69 shit. i don't double check but it was around the era when this movie was being released released. uh so the the radio guy is like there's no discernible you know, pattern or reason for the slangs. Um, but there's a lot of them happening. And Ben looks out the window and he notices there's more zombies circling the car. They start to like destroy the headlights. And um, so Ben goes upstairs. He grabs a lazy boy, lights it on fire, throws it out on the porch, scares away uh, some of the zombies. Um, yeah. And- so I love that scene. You just torches that chair. <laughs> like, yeah, it's badass. Kicks it over. Cause he like, there's so many things. There's so many stunts in this movie. You're just like, Oh, these were not stunt doubles. Right. These were the actors and a lot of times non-professional actors like doing their own stunts with these fires and like that's great cars. And- that's awesome. So now there's a time jump. All the windows and doors are boarded up. Ben has been working his ass off. Now, at this point, we get a shot of this like hidden door. It's like behind one of the other doors, but it's like a door that kind of blends in with the wall. Yeah. And we get a slow zoom in on this door. So uh, and the, the music swells. So something we know something's in there. Something's going to happen with that door. Ben finds a rifle in the closet, some ammunition. He also finds some shoes for Barbara. He's trying to be nice. He's yeah. By the way, Barbara is doing nothing to help, right? Well, the she's entire... currently passed out. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. From him <laughs> slapping her. Yeah. Fair enough. She's not helping. But yeah, she wasn't helping before <laughs> yeah, either. No, she wasn't. Okay, so then he he wakes. Uh, Barbara wakes up and he starts putting on shoes for her, and he's he's trying to act like you know, 
Eh, nothing happened, you know. Hey, he's like, we're, we're fine. Sorry, sorry. sorry. We slapped each other. Yeah. He's like, oh, you you must have uh, been really tired or yeah, something. Yeah. Just, just passed out. <laughs> he uh, so he's talking to her. She doesn't answer. She's does now. She's just like staring straight ahead with like no expression at all. And so he says, sooner or later, you know, someone's someone's bound to come out and get us. You know, he's trying to comfort her. She still doesn't speak. So he walks upstairs. Ben goes upstairs, drags that dead body, you know, out of the way. I think he's just trying to hide it. Just get it out of the way of everybody. Barbara hears on the radio that they're now discovering that some of the bodies have been eaten. And they're concluding that the killers are eating the flesh of their victims. And I think they say it like over and over. Like yeah, yeah. They keep talking about it. so it's like we are for, we are certain that the murderers are eating the flesh of the victims. Yes. And she's just like it's just like droning in her head. So I wore my Cannibal Corpse shirt. Oh, perfect. In honor of it. <laughs> oh, that's great. And Hollywood, yeah, look at that. Yeah. Suddenly, she sees that the door that door starts to move, and then hands come out, and she starts to scream. Uh, and two men come out, but it's just two regular old men. Yep. Right. Uh, ben hears that from upstairs runs down pulls his gun out and they're like don't shoot and ben was like what the fuck like who who are you guys how long were you down in the cellar now yeah. these two men this is mr cooper or mm-hmm. harry yeah. and tom mr cooper is like the middle-aged bald man tom is like the young stud yeah he's like a teenager maybe like 18 something like that yeah uh miss mr cooper is aggressive he's got he's 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 kind of the leader of whatever this group was and Tom is a little gentler, kind of like the, you know, the little kind of the sidekick follower. But Ben is basically like he shames them for not coming up sooner because he was like, you know, that stuff was going on up here. You know, Barbara was yeah. screaming. You heard a woman scream. You guys didn't come up and help. Mr. Cooper's like, we found a safe space. If, if we're if we're going through all this stuff and we find a safe space, we're staying down there. Ben is really like hammering in this like cowardice with these yeah. people. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, uh, you know, they're hard to trust at this point. Cause he's right. Cause it's like, you guys didn't come up here and yeah, you know, and um, help, which like is sort of understandable. I wouldn't want to come out of the basement either, but it is like, you know, clearly people who are alive, who are in danger and you maybe could do something. Right. I know? mean, Ben didn't have to help this lady. No, you know, he didn't have to help Barbara, but he did. And, uh, and yeah, he slapped her later, but she yeah, was being hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> So movies. Yeah. (laughs) So Tom says the younger guy, he says, hey, man, to to Ben, he's like, look, his his wife and kids and kid are downstairs and the kids hurt. Ben and Mr. Cooper are just going at each other's throats here. And they they start to fight about like where where in this in this house is the safest place. You know, Mr. Cooper thinks it's the cellar. Yeah. He just wants to stay underground. Yes. And Ben thinks it's upstairs. Cooper thinks that if we're downstairs, there's only one way for the zombies to get in and we can just barricade that door. We can take all the food, everything we got, go downstairs and we'll be okay. We can wait it out. And then uh, Ben's theory is that, well, if they get in there, then you have nowhere to go. Yeah. It's a death trap. He it's a death it. trap. He, that's right. And so he's like, if we go, if you're up here, we it's like, yeah, we have like there are a lot more entrances that they can get in. But there's also a lot more ways that we can escape. And as they're fighting, a zombie reaches through the window and grabs Ben's shirt. The others, you know, they run up and they try to help him try to break, break him free. And Ben fires shots into the, the chest of the zombies. Right. And this this is a point where it's revealed that this doesn't do anything. Yeah, they just zombies. they just keep coming. They just keep coming. And so he does it again and it doesn't do anything. So finally he shoots one in the head and it's dead. 
I mean, we all know stuff about zombies, but I, I don't know how we all much... know because of this movie established it. But right. you know, there were no such thing as these type of flesh eating reanimated corpses when this movie came out. Right. So everything in this is totally unprecedented at the time. So the audience initially watching it would have had no idea. No, you had to shoot him in the head. That was never a thing. Totally. And they don't make it very obvious. No, like the characters don't pick up on it. So Mr. Cooper is like, we got to get back into the cellar. And Ben's like, we're not going to the cellar. And Mr. Cooper says, well, I'm going down to the cellar. And then he does this weird thing where he's like, and I'm taking this woman with me. So he tries to grab Barbara. Yeah. And then Ben's like, no, get your hands off of her, which yeah, I thought was like, a strange move. Like it was like, I guess Mr. Cooper was like, well, I'm going to save this woman, like the women and children. Yeah. It was also like, you know, it's 1968 and I'm the white guy. I'm in charge. You right. Know, like that was kind of, I think, his mentality or. Yeah. They never explicitly said any of that stuff like the guy. But it's kind of like in the movie, you're kind of like, is he going to is he going to say something really offensive? Yeah. You know? So Mr. Cooper wants to take food down to the cellar and Ben's like, no, Mr. Cooper's like but I've got a kid down there, man. I got to take care of my kid. You know, I got to get her food. And Ben's like, well, you're her father. If you're stupid enough to die in that, that trap, then that's your business. And I feel bad for her that her father's such an idiot and, uh, harsh, but really harsh. Maybe at that point, you know, there's no room for, uh, beating around the bush. Right. Ben says that I'm, he's like, I'm the boss up here. You're the boss down there. Yeah, significant line, too. We'll come back to that later. Great. And so uh, Mr. Cooper goes into the cellar, locks the door, um, and he he sees his wife and child, and he's like, um, sorry. Yeah, so I'll say. So, so Mr. Cooper goes down to the cellar, and he meets with his uh, wife and child, and he says, we'll see who's right. You know, he, like, lights up a cigarette, and he's like, uh, they'll see that I'm right. And his wife is like, that's important to you, huh? That that everyone knows that, that yeah. you're right and they're wrong. And so we we pick up right now that, that their marriage is clearly strained. Yeah. They're not happy together. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Cooper's wife, who is named Helen, uh, hears from from uh, Mr. Cooper that there is a there's a radio upstairs. And she's like, wait, why are we staying down here if there's a radio upstairs? Uh, and she says, we may not be. This is a great line. She says, we may not enjoy living together. But dying together isn't going to solve anything. Yeah. It's fucking oh. brutal. Yeah, like that. It's a brutal line. Yeah, Mr. Cooper gets no respect in this movie. Like <laughs> no he, respect. I mean, maybe he doesn't deserve it either. But, you know, like, I mean, he's an asshole. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do want to talk about him at, at the end of this. Yeah, we will. Tom calls down to Mr. Cooper. He's like, hey, we found a TV. And at that point, Helen's like, well, then we're going upstairs. Yeah. So they asked Judy, which, by the way, I think I missed this. Judy is uh, is also was also in the cellar. Judy yeah, is the wife or girlfriend, girlfriend, Tom's girlfriend. The girlfriend of Tom. And so they yeah. asked Judy, could you go downstairs and 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 watch our daughter while we come up here and look at some TV stuff? Helen goes upstairs. She tries to connect with Barbara, but she's like totally Barbara's still totally Barbara's out of it. She's, she's gone. Yeah. But this is, I think, a significant moment where, where where Helen is trying to like really comfort Barbara in this moment. Or just kind of trying to get to know her. Yeah. And so they all sit around and they watch TV. <clears throat> There's these uh, eyewitness accounts. Um, the newscaster explains that the dead are now coming back to life. So it's a new development. That's the thing with the throughout this movie. There's just like new developments happening throughout the news. Yeah. And they had, you know, like they had vampires and stuff before this, but never anything quite like what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy that we all this is such a big part of the culture now yeah. that like as people were watching this, they were like learning about these things that became like set in stone for us. Mm-hmm. But they were learning yeah. it in real time. Yeah. Now there's like rules with zombies. Right. 
Um, so then the people in the news, the newscaster says the original course of action that we suggested was to stay indoors, lock yourself indoors, don't go outside. But now we have military forces on the way. Where we're setting up camps, uh, safe zones, and, and you should all be trying to get to one of these camps, you know, and we'll, you know, there's going to be many of them and we'll be releasing the locations uh, throughout the, the, the show here. So Ben's like, well, look, we got a truck. We got to get to that gas pump and we got to get to one of those nearest safety points. The newscaster uh, also says that they're like, why are we consulting with space experts? Because that's been a thing NASA has come up throughout the, the news here. They say a recent uh, Explorer satellite shot into Venus was headed back to Earth, but it never made it. And it was purposely destroyed by NASA uh, when scientists discovered that it was carrying a mysterious high level of radiation with it. And the radiation could be responsible for um, these wholesale murders. Mm hmm. So Ben says to Helen, he says, why don't you go downstairs with your kid and bring Judy back upstairs? So Helen, Helen seems more worried now. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think there's like a moment where we kind of see How like, could you not be <laughs> right. She's like starting to get more worked up about some stuff. You know, she's got her daughter down there. And then there's like this doctor being interviewed on the TV. And he's saying that uh, there was a case where a patient had been killed, torn limb from limb. And uh, at one point it opened its eyes and began to squirm its trunk. And so he's like, Horrifying. Horrifying scene. Uh, just uh, imagery. Yeah. Um, so the doctor says, look, the birdie, the, he says, uh, the doctor says the bodies need to be burned. You know, they need to be burned. And this newscaster is like, well, how quickly after the death do they have to be burned? And the doctor's like, immediately. And the newscaster's like, well, that, that doesn't give people very much time to make arrangements. And the doctor's like, no time for funerals. Yeah. You know, he's like. You, 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 you have to soak them with gasoline. And this is, I really like this part because it's so blunt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this doctor, he's like, you have to soak them with gasoline. He's talking about people's family members. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Your neighbors. <laughs> your neighbors. He's like, burn them. The bereaved will have to forego the dubious comforts of, uh, of, of whatever, or I can't remember, of, of the funeral or whatever. And he's like, carry them into the streets burn them with gasoline they're just dead flesh burn them <laughs> it's like so yeah, brutal whoa. <laughs> yeah i just like i don't know i love that doctor yeah he's a great character <laughs> so ben starts planning the escape right he tells everyone uh find jars you know find lighter fluid curtains and we're gonna make some molotov cocktails right uh mr cooper's like uh you know there is a, a ring down in the cellar it might be good for the gas pump which is weird time to bring that up. Like, wait, it's a little late in the game. Yeah, He's trying. <laughs> yeah, he's trying. He's doing his best here. So Ben says uh, a couple of us, you know, can go upstairs, uh, throw Molotov cocktails from upstairs while the others run to get the truck filled up with gas. They eventually agree Ben and Tom will make a run for the car because Tom understands like this truck more than Ben does. Yeah. And uh, Cooper's going to go upstairs and he's going to throw the cocktails. So Tom and Ben, so Tom and Ben will fill up the car um, while the others, while everyone else is like s safe in the cellar. And then once they fill up the truck, they'll run back and just get everybody into the car and take off. You know, it's a plan. It's not a, it's not a great plan. Not a great plan. No, no, no. They don't have much to work with. They know? really don't. Yeah. Uh, there are many, at this point, we keep, keep seeing shots of how many zombies there are. If your plan involves Molotov cocktails, like that's, that's a last resort. Right. We're hearing a story about these uh guys who lived in a trailer park where i grew up uh and they got in an argument and one of the guys made a, a molotov cocktail to throw into his neighbor's trailer oh god and he did he threw it 
and it hit the windowsill and bounced back into his own trailer and burned his trailer down. Oh my god, dude! So you know, Molotovs don't fuck around with. Those yeah, things. I mean, it's weird because yeah, you're you're throwing uh, fire with alcohol and yeah, it's just a the firebomb. Whole, yeah, it's a it's a sporadic. I mean, it spreads like crazy, and you're just creating fire. It doesn't yeah. sound like that's ever gonna go right. No, you no, know, very no. unpredictable. Yeah. Okay, so so now Tom walks into. Um, like the dining room where Judy's cutting up sheets, you know, and she's just kind of like, she's not thrilled with, with this plan. You know, she gives him a smile and uh, Tom says, you always have a smile for me. And then he goes, how can you smile at a time like this? And I was like, I don't know, man, <laughs> maybe she's just trying to make the best. Of yeah. The you know, like at that point, just like cut, cut her some slack. Yeah. Like, it's just like a mean thing to say. Yeah. To right. Girlfriend like, who's just kind of like, like she doesn't get she doesn't give like a big white teeth smile it's just yeah, like a little bit of like, like i'm a, trying and he's like what the fuck is your problem yeah turn that frown right side up <laughs> yeah so she doesn't want to leave the house she's like we should stay here we're safe here she doesn't want tom to go outside and and do this thing with ben she's like ben can just do it um you know just you stay in here with me and tom's like look remember when we had that big flood and how difficult you were being Uh, another just like you're like jesus dude it's like this is the worst way you could possibly comfort a lady yeah you know or anyone yeah well yeah like this is uh think about it it's a horror movie it's also a disaster movie basically yeah because like you know boy you're boarding up the house like trying to escape like that's like a a hurricane's coming but the hurricane wants to eat you right yeah yeah it's it's also bizarre to like uh when someone's like I don't think this is a good idea. And then you're like, remember last time we didn't think it was a good idea and you were just fucking pissing everybody off. Like yeah. Everyone just didn't like you. You were right, but everyone was pissed <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. yeah. Our kids drowned, but you were being annoying. Yeah. So she cries, you know, and then he, t- he hugs her and he says, where's that, where's that big smile for me? You know? So now he's asking for the smile. You know, he, what is, what do you want? Yeah. You Tom, know, come on. Come on, man. And then they kiss. But the the whole point of this, right, is to show you that they really are in love. It's a weird way of doing yeah, it. But know. they 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 love each other a lot. Yeah. He kind of I think maybe he realizes he's being a dick. And then like he's like, oh, you know, I'm, right. You know, yeah. He was being a little aggressive, but he's like, I love you. I'm being a jerk. Why don't you smile for me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> classic. Uh, yeah. Dude. Move. Yeah. Classic dude move. So then we cut to Mr. Cooper and Ben and Judy, and they're all trying to convince Barbara, like, hey, go down in the cellar. And uh, she's doesn't she's still catatonic. She's like, nah. and they're like, hey, if you go down in the cellar, like we can get out of here. And that's the thing that kind of sparks her a little bit. She's like, oh, we can leave. And so then she agrees. She goes down into the cellar. So Tom and Ben begin lifting off boards, you know, uh, from the door preparing to to get out there and get the truck mr cooper sets up for the molotov cocktails upstairs and now there's just dozens of zombies in the yard right so ben steps out of the door with his torch he's got a torch and uh, he says mr cooper you're ready mr cooper throws a, a molotov cocktail zombies pull back uh, they move away from the flames and ben and tom make a run for it you know tom gets into the truck and then Ju- judy immediately she just can't take it she screams she runs from the house and she gets into the truck with Ben. Yeah. You know, you're like, let him go. Yeah. You're like, good God. Come on. Like, just let these guys get it done real quick. Stick with the plan. Stick with the plan. So this kind of starts to create a little more chaos, you know, and Ben is shooting zombies. He's still not shooting him in the head. He's st- so that we, we know that he just doesn't get we don't he doesn't get that you that's how you kill them. Yeah. 
and they get Thanks, to the, you know, you just have to shoot them enough. Right. And so then they arrive at the pump and uh, Tom tries to get the key unlocked for the pump. He's like, it's not unlocking. And then Ben just like in a just panic in a panic, really, he just shoots the gun on the, the lock off with the gun and it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so Tom, he's just rushing everything. And then he he gets the, the pulls the pump out and then he just accidentally starts spraying gasoline yeah spraying gas a like really bad time the, yeah to be this clumsy yeah so Ooh. he sprays gasoline all over the ground and all over the truck and then it coincidentally ben's torch catches the fucking gasoline and then now the truck's on fire so yeah. there's part of the truck that is on fire there's gas there's fire all on the ground judy's still inside right judy is still inside the truck Tom's like, we got to get away from the truck. So he jumps in the truck with Judy and starts to drive away get away from the pump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Ben's like, no, no, no. You have to get out of the truck. He's screaming, get out of the truck. And then he's trying to put out the fire. And uh, and Tom gets out of the truck. And then Judy tries to get out of the truck, but her jacket is stuck. And then the truck explodes. And Ben watches this happen. He's horrified. We can see Mr. Cooper watching. He's horrified. Tom and Judy dead. Totally gone, incinerated. It's yeah. a really tr- tragic moment. So Ben makes his way back to the house. You know, he has he, to like fight his way through a horde of zombies to get there too. Yes, I mean the plan is totally foiled at this point. Yeah. You're like, I have no idea what you guys are going to do. No, you know, that was like your truck. That was a, that's a big deal. That was your one, one way, way to out. escape. Yeah, and so Ben makes his way to the door, and uh, he's banging on it for Cooper to let him in. And we see Cooper, and he's staring at the door, and you can just see him like kind of deciding like do i want to let this guy in or should i just let him die because he doesn't want he wants to be the boss you know he doesn't want to let this guy make all the decisions Mm -hmm. these two guys these two friends just died so finally ben kicks down the door and he sees mr cooper hiding and he kind of gives him this look he's like you son of a bitch they board up the the door together and immediately after they've board up the the door ben beats the shit out of cooper just starts slapping him and punching him and uh then we see a shot of the zombies and they're poking around that car. They're pulling bits and pieces of the flesh of the of Tom and Judy. Yeah. And this is when we the first time we see them eating another human. Yeah, this is that that was the scene that really like shocked the fuck out of people. Yeah. Like aside from the slap, when they like just eating chunks of meat, like one of them's got like guts in its hand. Yeah, like entrails. Guts and entrails. One's and got like just, a foot. Yeah. Or a hand or something. I mean, There's like a piece kidney. Of an arm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really brutal. And they're all just like, you know, staring out of space blankly, like just biting up chunks of this meat. Yeah. And there's something about it being in black and white, too, that makes it even for that time seem like more believable. You know, because yeah. there's like less you can't you don't notice the makeup as much. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like uh, still realistic. Yeah. Some critics pointed out it feels like a newsreel, like a wartime newsreel. So it had oh, that sort of like, you know, it felt really real. It's kind a like- really disturbing scene yeah um which is just which is i mean i was watching i was like i just can't believe that in 68 i mean it was like this disturbing yeah like well up until the time you know like the scariest movie was like psycho where it's like you see a knife you see but you don't ever actually see anyone get stabbed there's like a little bit of blood going down the drain at the end. right 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 this is just like you're seeing gore just pieces of people being eaten yeah (laughs) it's crazy so now ben is trying to plan another way you know to get out of there and he asked Helen about their car that was flipped down the ro- the road. And Cooper's like, you know, Mr. Cooper's like that. That's a mile down the road. We'll never make it. Oh, yeah. And this is the, they th- the zombies turned their car over. That's that's right. Like, yeah. We had, forgot to mention that earlier. The, the Cooper's car because they were at a diner or some or something. And, yeah. and a bunch of zombies flipped their car. And so he's like, plus, it's like the car's flipped. 
you know, and we got a kid. He's like, well, I have to carry my kid through a bunch of zombies. Ben's like, I can carry the child. And then he's like, also, what's wrong with her, by the way? Like, how did she get hurt? And Helen's like, it's it's one of those things grabbed her. And, and Mr. Cooper's like, yeah, and it bit her on the arm. And Ben gives them a look. And Helen's like, what? And he's like, I mean, you know, who knows what kind of diseases these, these things carry. Now we're on the news again, right? They say all persons who die during the crisis from whatever kind of like death will come back to life and, and as one of these things. And they, they explain that the brain has been activated by radiation. And the goal is you have to kill the brain. So now we know that that's the that's the only way that you can kill these things. And then they interview this chief, like this police chief, who's become like totally, I don't know, like, how would you describe this guy? I mean, because jaded, maybe he's jaded, but he's also like, it's very informal now. He's like, yeah. uh, he's almost like a Rambo type, you know, like he's part of this militia instead of like official law enforcement. Yeah. And he like leads like a whole bunch of these kinds of guys who were mm-hmm. like, apparently they were law enforcement, but now they're just kind of like these soldiers. Yeah. Or they almost got like a posse. Kind right. Of. And so they interview him for a while and, and it's, uh, I don't know how significant it is to talk too much about this guy. I mean, it's worth talking about. It's in the movie. Yeah. I mean, but uh, what, what do you think about this guy? Because they, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. I, I can't really is remember. It, is he the one where he's just like, yeah, the boys are doing good. They're all adjusting. You know? Yeah, it's kind of like that. They got, they're used to it. Now it's it's kind of like that. Yeah. Just going around shooting. these. Yeah. It's kind of like almost funny. Yeah. Uh, but there's not like a lot of like exposition. I think he he but it, but. Uh, they come back later, so it's like you you get to know these guys a little bit. Yeah. Suddenly the power goes out. Ben's like, "Oh, it's a fuse," and then and Mr. Cooper's like, "No, no, there's no f- fuse. The the power lines have been taken down." And so Ben goes off to figure you know figure out what he can do to fix the situation. And Cooper you know says to his wife, "He's like, I got to get the gun from him. You know, he's ruining everything. I mean, our look at those. Our friends are dead. You know." Um, so th- at this point, the zombies are starting to force themselves into the house. You know, they're starting, they're beating down the doors. They're picking up rocks and breaking windows, trying to get in. Mr. Cooper. Really kind of, that's where that's where the movie gets like scary. I think is like the zombies really trying to break their way into the yeah, house. Because there's so many of them. We've just seen them eat uh, human beings. They have no way of escaping. So it's like at this point, you're like really scared for these people. Uh, at one point, Ben gets grabbed again right and he's tr- and he's trying to like keep the 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 barrier you know he's trying to keep the boards on the windows and stuff cooper's just watching ben and he's not helping he's just kind of eyeing that gun mm-hmm. and then ben drops the gun cooper grabs it and points it at ben he tells helen to go downstairs with his daughter and then ben takes a piece of the board that he's holding and just chucks it at mr cooper and they wrestle for the gun they wrestle back and forth finally ben gets a hold of the the rifle and points it at Mr. Cooper, fires a bullet into his stomach. That was they, a pretty shocking moment for people, too. Where just I was like, wow, relentless. Oh, the hero just murdered somebody. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it was just like, but it was a good buildup because it was like, I mean, it was shocking even for me in 2022. But I was like, yeah, but I mean, this guy like wants you dead. Like, yeah. it's clear that like he tried to have you killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't give a shit if you're, I mean, he was probably going to shoot you if he got the gun. I think that's, yeah, kind of implied, but right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then the zombies break down the front door. So I guess Helen's still upstairs. Yeah, she's maybe in the other room or something. Yeah, so she gets grabbed, right? Uh, so they're grabbing at Ben, they're grabbing at Helen, they pull Helen in, and then Barbara sees this happening, and she hasn't done anything, right? She's yeah. sitting on the couch. And this is why that moment earlier kind of matters, I think, is because mm-hmm. Now she sees this happening and she gets up and she rescues Helen. She pulls Helen back 
and kind of takes her place. And then Helen runs uh, and goes downstairs. And so Cooper barely alive right now. He's, he gets up. Yeah. He stumbles into the cellar, falls down and then finds his daughter. And his daughter is now a zombie. Mm hmm. And he crawls for her. He doesn't realize this yet. And he reaches for her. And then we see Helen come down the stairs to the cellar after him. And she finds that her child is now eating her husband. Yeah. He's eating like his whole arm. basically, yeah. right? So, yeah. It's really a horrifying scene. Um, so she says, no, 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 baby, please. No. And then the child picks up like a gardening shovel. Yeah. Like a spade. Like a spade. And uh, and then just stabs Helen, stabs her own mother in the chest. And she's screaming repeatedly. Like, repeatedly, it's a long stabbing scene. Yeah, and her her mom is just crying and screaming, and she, it's brutal. I mean, it's brutal. And this kid just like blank stare, like you know, like feeling nothing. Just fucking just stabbing. Yeah, stabbing. Horrifying. So then we cut back to upstairs, and the the zombies grab Barbara, and Ben tries to stop them from from taking her away, but they take Barbara away. They bite her neck. And that's it for Barbara. She's gone. Yeah. She gets pulled into the like the horde of zombies and you assume devoured. Yes. So Ben, you know, he's trying to get away. But then we see the little girl. We see uh, the daughter enter and she grabs Ben and tries to bite his arm. And then he you know, throws her aside and then he runs into the cellar. He barricades the door and now he's in the place where he didn't want to go. The place that he called a death trap. The place he called a death trap. The place he said there was no escape. So he locks himself in that space uh, with no access out, he finds Mr. Cooper dead on the ground. Suddenly, Mr. Cooper opens his eyes, wakes up, and Ben shoots at him, shoots at him a couple times, shoots him in the head. Because now I think at this point he knows you got to yeah. shoot him in the head. Then Helen wakes up. Same thing. He fires, cocks the gun, fires another sh- shot into her head. But now it's like everyone's dead. There's zombies upstairs. He's like, what do you do? What am, what am I going to do? So he just sits. He just waits. And then the morning comes and we see a helicopter flying above the bunch of police officers, military forces are searching the land. Uh, they're popping off, you know, other leftover zombies. There's yeah, only they're a few just like in a line with guns, like marching and then just mowing down any zombies they see in their path, basically. Yep. Um, they're arriving with like canines, the same police chief that we saw earlier on the news. He gets out of the truck. He's like, there's a house over here. Let's go check it out. You know, see us, see if anyone's over there. Ben wakes up. You know, he wakes up for to the, the sounds of the officers uh, shooting the zombies, guns going off, dogs barking. So he unbarricades the door, which I don't know if that's a word. Ben looks out the window. He sees police. The officer says, hey, I, I think I heard a noise. The police chief says, well, OK, take your shot. And we see Ben start to raise his rifle. Police officer shoots Ben in the head. And Ben's dead. And that's the end. Yeah. Crazy. Bleak as fuck. Bleak as fuck. And then there was that, that, uh, the still photos. Yes. They had a bunch of still photos of still photos at the end of like the cops, like rounding up like the dead zombies. And like, they got like the meat hooks, like Mm -hmm. like, grapple hooks. Yeah. They're dragging Ben's dead. Like they show him like dragging Ben's dead body out on a hook and throwing him on like a funeral pyre, burning his body. Oh, I didn't even see that. I think that I was watching on the Paramount and then it just kind of like went away. So I didn't watch oh, the ending man. credits. Oh, yeah. the It's brutal. Like yeah. that, that ending is like it, they shot 1200 still images. Actually, uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, Carl Hardman shot them. Wow. And yeah, they used like they edited them all together and like a series of stills at the end. It's just like these guys with the fucking meat hooks like and they're just these grainy black and white photos. It's <laughs> like really uh, gnarly. Ending. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, great movie. And the thing that immediately came to mind, Mr. Cooper was right in a way. It, had they just gone downstairs Stay in the and basement. stayed for the ba- in the basement with some food, they probably could have kept zombies out and the next morning they would have been okay. Maybe, but they would have been down there with the zombie uh, daughter. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Her name was Karen, by the way. Was it? Yeah, just coincidentally. The bad white people have right. a daughter named Karen. <laughs> right, right, right. They could have just killed her. I mean, I, you know, it's like. You know, there's a lot of things like where the initial plan might have worked had, you know, had Tom not sprayed gas everywhere. Right. You know, and blown up the truck. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then had like Mr. Cooper just let Ben back in and helped him like, you know, barricade the door better and stuff instead of trying to get the gun away from him. And yeah, that's one of those things about this movie is like it's pretty like pessimistic. Yeah. And nihilistic a little bit. Totally. I mean, it is kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, sure. Mr. Cooper was right. But it's like you have all these different personalities. Mm-hmm. Everybody's thinking this different thing. I mean, Barbara's catatonic. You know, you got the Mr. Cooper and uh Ben going at each other's throats all the time. And then you got the daughter who's a, about to be a zombie. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, this, uh, you know, this movie is considered uh, really significant. It was actually in 1999. It was deemed culturally, historically or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and added to the National Film Registry hmm. um, because it, you know they saw it like Romero described all of his like of the dead films as like kind of a snapshot of that time. Right. So talk about Dwayne Jones, who played Ben. Dwayne. Uh, he was a stage actor, former, former university professor. When they cast a black actor, they made the decision like, oh, we're not going to change the script. Right. We're going to leave it as is written for a white guy. Yeah. And I think like it worked really well with yeah. that. Um, the budget for the movie was so small that the, the props and special effects were real simple. So the blood was uh, it was made using Bosco chocolate syrup. Okay. Uh so they were just putting chocolate syrup all over people. So they didn't, uh, they probably didn't even have to color it, right? No, because, yeah. you know, black and white, you know, yeah. it just looked dark. Uh, the uh, the entrails were made from uh, roasted ham and entrails donated by one of the actor, the zombies slash investors who ho- owned a chain of butcher shops. Okay. So it was real meat they were wow. eating. Uh, <laughs> they just used like mortician's wax to make the, the wounds. The costumes all came from Goodwill. Night of the Living Dead premiered on October 1st, 1968 at the Fulton Theater in Pittsburgh. Nationally, it was shown as a Sunday afternoon matinee. Wow. As was typical for horror films at the time, which uh, attracted an audience consisting of preteens and adolescents. Sure. Uh, the MPAA system was not in place. Uh, the rating system was not in place until the following month. So young children were able to purchase tickets. <sighs> Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, this motherfucker. Uh, chided theater owners and parents our old buddy roger who allowed children to access the film uh, with such potent content for a horror film that they were entirely unprepared for some quotes from his review i don't think the younger kids really knew what hit them they were used to going to movies sure and they'd seen some horror movies before but this was something else according to ebert the film affected the audience immediately the kids in the audience were stunned there was almost complete silence (sighs) The movie had stopped being delightfully scary about halfway through and had become unexpectedly terrifying. There was a little girl across the aisle from me, maybe nine years old, who was sitting very still in her seat and crying. Oh, it's hard to remember what sort of effect this movie might have had on you when you were six or seven, but try to remember. 
at that age, kids take the events on, on the screen very seriously and identify fiercely with the hero. When the hero is killed, that's not an unhappy ending, but a tragic one. Nobody got out alive. It's just over. That's all. He did give the film three and a half stars, though. I mean, yeah, I, I'm uh, I mean, I yeah, I think it's like if he would have given that a bad review, I mean, yeah, I would be upset. He's got to have some credibility, you know? Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. His entire review basically is about the audience. And yeah, know, he kept referring the way he refers to uh, Ben in it is not ideal. Not ideal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just, All right. There it is. He refers to him as the the word that they usually use uh, for black people at the time in the 1960s. Right, right, I don't right. want to repeat. He wasn't using a slur. But right. No, I get it. I know what you're term, saying. Yeah. An outdated term. Right, just, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's over and over and over and over again. He just keeps referring to him as the, right, you right, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. not as a name or not right. as like. But some notes I got from the last drive-in. The film was originally called Night of the Flesh Eaters. Uh, but the distributors changed it. Uh, George Romero initially wanted to call it Night of Anubis, but they were like, no one's going to see a drive-in movie called Night of Anubis. Sure. What's but Anubis? The Egyptian God of the Dead. Okay. He's like a jackal-headed god. Gotcha. Um, but there was a, a movie that came out a few years earlier called The Flesh Eaters. So the distributor, uh, which was the Walter Reed organization, which mostly released European art house films, uh, they changed it to Night of the Living Dead, but they had to take out the the five seconds of film that had the title card on it. Mm. And when they put the new title in, they removed the copyright. Oh. So as soon as the film was released, it entered the public domain. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's been so, so like so it's all so wait so it it, it just exists. In yeah. There? Yeah. There's no copyright on Night of the Living Dead, so you it's you know we. Wow. interesting for us we could you know we could show the movie and talk over it you know we could yeah. do anything we want with it but uh wow yeah yeah wow. So it kind of like was like good and bad for the filmmakers because they didn't you know they didn't get to make because it made like you know 20 million dollars or some 40 million dollars which is like one of the most profitable movies of all time mm-hmm. but they didn't see most of that money and it didn't really do much for anybody's career jeez uh <laughs> all because of one simple uh edit mistake yeah yeah, yeah. That's all it took. How does that, how is that even, how yeah, is that part of the, the law? copyright notice? Yeah, it has to be on there, I guess. Oh my God. I mentioned this earlier, but going a little more detail. Uh, the night they were driving the movie to get distribution was the night Martin Luther King was shot. Uh, at the time, America was in turmoil due to the assassination, uh, major escalations into the Vietnam War, anti-war demonstrations, and police beating protesters at the 1968 Democratic National Convention. So it was kind of, kind of mirrored a lot of the last few years that we've been dealing with where the world just kind of felt chaotic and unstable. Yeah. Many critics felt the movie was a reflection of the chaos and social change happening in the U S uh, I mentioned the Walter Reed organization, the title card thing. Oh yeah. They often, a lot of times the movie was shown on TV a lot uh, in the following years. They always remove the scene where they're uh, eating Tom and Judy. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really the really disturbing violent scene. Yeah. So this is getting more into the stuff we were talking about. So speaking uh, to the bleak picture that the film painted, Romero summed up the film by stating, we were 60s guys. We didn't believe in happy endings. Really shows. I mean, yeah. And I love a a non-happy ending. Yeah. There was a discussion of letting Ben live, but Dwayne Jones insisted that it needed to end with Ben being shot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it really, it's the perfect end. To yeah. The movie. You know, it stunned audiences was one of the most sobering endings in horror movie history. A review from variety sums up how shocking the film was to audiences and critics in its time. 
uh, the quote, uh, until the Supreme Court establishes clear-cut guidelines for the pornography of violence, Night of the Living Dead will serve nicely as an outer limit definition by example. In a mere 90 minutes, this horror film casts serious aspersions on the integrity of its Pittsburgh-based uh, Pittsburgh makers, distributor Walter Reed, the film industry as a whole, and exhibitors who booked this pick, as well as raising doubts about the regional film movement and the moral health of filmgoers who cheerfully opt for the unrelieved orgy of sadism. Wow. What a quote. Yeah. They, 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 you know, this was like hardcore for its time. All right. Um, got some stuff here from an article uh, in Criterion titled Night of the Living Dead, Mere Anarchy is Loosed. So even though the film predated the events, uh, by the time it was released in France in 1970, the assassination of MLK and the murder of Black Panther leader Fred Hampton by Chicago police as he lay in bed had created unbearable associations with the matter-of-fact execution, uh, execution by police of an African-American man at the end of the film. Uh, wow. The film's release also happened around the time of the Tet Offensive, My Lai Massacre, and the expansion of the Vietnam War into Cambodia by Richard Nixon, as well as the Manson family murders, adding a chilling association to the film's news reports referring to an epidemic of mass murder by unknown assassins. Oh, man, the 60s was crazy, dude. Yeah. Film captured a snapshot in an era informed by violent social upheaval, conspiracy theories surrounding the Warren Report on the JFK assassination, an unknowable end to the Vietnam War, Nixon's presidency, uh, accusations of faking the moon landing, and a general distrust in the credibility of authority that followed. Um, there's a little bit more, uh, for one more article. So talking about like uh, the significance in terms of like civil rights era and stuff like that, this just comes from uh, an essay called The Lingering Horror of Night of the Living Dead, written by Richard Newby in The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, the casting of a black lead in a horror film at the time was significant in many ways. Uh, his story is a secondary narrative, a response to the to comfort the white woman in a catatonic state, but that changes once Ben takes charge and slaps Barbara, literally out of her hysteria. A black man slapping a white woman feels shocking even now, but in 1968 it was unheard of. R Romero establishes that Ben is a heroic figure, smart but capable, and basically responsible for writing the guide on zombie survival. Uh, in an interview with the New York Times, Jordan Peele discussed Night of the Living Dead's influence on Get Out, uh, mm. saying, All social norms break down when this event happens and a black man is caged up in a house with a white woman who is terrified. But you're not sure how much she's terrified at the monsters on the outside or this man on the inside who is now the hero. But Ben's heroism doesn't come easily or without pushback. So it's crazy that still, you know, Get Out is maybe the most significant horror movie of the last 10 to 20 years totally still still influencing modern movies crazy um this person also noted that uh the as ben boards up the house the reaction of harry cooper can be seen as symbolic of white slave owners taking credit for the work of black slaves helen cooper's passivity can be seen as a represent as representative of the complacency and lack of allyship from many white women who fought for their own rights while ignoring the struggles of black people Really, this one, though, I think is one of the most interesting things. Dwayne Jones was very aware of the racial impact of the film, even though Romero wasn't necessarily. In an interview conducted by Tim Ferrante in 1987 uh, on the Criterion release, Jones relays a story about a ride home from the set one night with extra Betty Ellen Howie, I think it's pronounced H-A-U-G-H-E-Y. He said, we were driving through downtown Pittsburgh, of all places, and heading back to Duquesne, when all of a sudden we became very aware of the fact that there were some teenagers in a car following us. 
at first we thought it was some young folks who were around the filming. And then I looked back and I said, Betty, those are strangers. And then I looked back. One of them started brandishing a tire iron at me. Oh, shit. And the paradox and the irony that I had been walking around brandishing a tire iron at ghouls all day long. And there was somebody brandishing a tire iron at me from a car, but in absolute seriousness. And that moment, the total surrealism of the racial nightmare of America being worse than whatever uh, that was that we were doing as a metaphor in this film lives with me to this moment. Whoa. Tire Uh, irony. Yeah. uh, Hey. uh that's crazy yeah right Jesus. like you know so like this you know it was it, it's wild that this movie wasn't like it wasn't meant to be a movie about like you know the racial issues the right, right in the united states but it very much became that totally like yeah inevitably yeah um last that's, that's really interesting yeah last thing i have here is uh there may not be any single denouement and message more frightening than the one george romero leaves us with at the end of night of the living dead as the as a police sheriff says the final lines, there's another one for the fire. That's what he says after they shoot Ben. We're shown still images of Ben's lifeless body stacked on the pile of the dead and effigy to be burned on a lawn. Ben survived the night of the living dead, but could not survive America. In the end, they got him too. <laughs> yeah, that's intense. Yeah, that. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, damn. Goddamn. That's crazy. The yeah, the social implications of this, but you know you. You think of Night of the Living Dead, you just think like, oh, it's a scary zombie movie. Right, but right. No, it really like, really was like uh, such a reflection of the state of America at the time it was made. Well, yeah, and there's like there's periods of America where like if the, if it came out, it wouldn't it wouldn't have nearly been that culturally significant. You know, no, yeah, it wouldn't have hit as hard. But yeah, coming out of that time, and I mean, even recently, if it came out, you know, I think could have like a similar effect or similar like interpretations but like mm-hmm. there were times where it, it 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 wouldn't have but like it's it's just amazing to think about that in 1968 like the image of a guy of a black guy being killed and then dragged and burned yeah is way more intense and like yeah, significant that shit was going on like, right you know in the south and like like we said with fred hampton and mlk like it was all over the news and like Nobody knew what hit them going into this movie at the time. Crazy. The reason that it like, you know, we're what almost 50, like 55 years later or something, like still talking about it. And it's still almost as culturally relevant as it was back then. Maybe if not more so. Yeah. It's so good. And I'm I'm like, I'm so glad that I finally saw it because I'd heard so many things about it. But I was just, but I never really thought of it as like a movie where I was like, I gotta, gotta see it. Yeah. I just thought at some point I might. It was one of those movies. Hey, maybe I'll watch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But, uh, yeah, that's like one of my favorite things about the pod is like seeing movies that I'm like, oh, these are movies that everybody should see, yeah. you know? Uh, and I finally get to check them out. Um, well, we God went damn. long on this one, but we did long, but it's fine. I mean, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot, you know, I feel like hopefully people will enjoy this and maybe learn some stuff. I thought it was a great, well-rounded episode. Yeah. You know, we had a good, uh, up top, you know, we had the, the plot was, was pretty uh, tight and exciting. And then we had all these interesting notes. I mean, and this is a great movie just in general, if you haven't seen it, you should. I mean, I know that the, the ending was, you know, spoiled for you, but if, uh, it's still, even if you, great movie, even if you know it, it still hits the same, like, you know, I've seen it several times and it still is just like, fuck. Yeah. You know, super well done. Uh, 
But yeah, I don't know. I guess we can call it. Yeah. Spawned a bunch of great sequels we'll get into later, too. And I definitely want to check those out. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Only Horror Movie Podcast. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. We know we're your only option for horror movie podcasts, but we still are the only one that exists. So thanks for sticking around. And yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Bye. See ya.